Hello, everyone. I think all the systems are working. If the systems are working, would you please type yes into the chat area at the bottom of your screen? I would appreciate it. Uh, Jay, thanks. Good. I guess I'm being heard. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you all. I'm glad you're here. Uh, it's another Thursday. And what I want you to do is just uh, take a deep breath and be aware and think about what you're thinking about. And that's often a very, very productive process because what happens when we get caught in and in, into the, the drama of and the, the feelings of infidelity is that we um, seemingly have no, no control over what we're feeling or what we're thinking. There's not a part of us that can stand back and take a deep breath and objectify the situation at all. I think that's what's really helpful about my stuff from what I read, I, from what I hear from people is that it helps people to stand back and objectively look at the situation. And once you do that, once you begin to know that uh, there's a different way of looking at what's happening, it gives you a tremendous amount of relief and as well a tremendous sense of power in that you can choose and decide to respond differently. And once you choose to respond differently, it also often has a uh, an impact on what's happening between you and and your spouse. So take a deep breath and think about what you're thinking about. Helpful? Okay, I have some questions here. <clears throat> John says, um, I cannot talk tonight. My wife is still in the home, but having an ongoing affair at work, any advice? Um, John, I, I need to know much, much more information, and I think it would probably uh, be helpful for you to um, need more information. I hope you have a copy of my, my book, Break Free from the Affair. Um, just determining what type of affair it is is another thing that helps you stand back, look at the situation. You find some relief. People find some relief in that because we're often taught or it's not, we're not really taught. It's just around us that an affair is just an affair. And affairs are about, are, are about falling out of love with their spouse and falling into love with someone else. And that's, that's really, really far from the truth. So you're, you're not picking up a lot of great information out there about infidelity. As a matter of fact, uh, most of what you absorbed about infidelity over the years through media, through TV, through movies and stuff, is that infidelity is really kind of a cool thing to do. Um, it's kind of the essence of being in love. And don't we just love being in love? And if we can't be in love with our spouse, maybe maybe, maybe we can just be in love with somebody else. And, and that's been portrayed in our movies and um um, in other areas as well, you go through a grocery checkout store and read the tabloids and who's hooking up with whom is the big, uh, big headline of the week. So, John, I would recommend that you begin looking at the affair and determining what type of affair it is. And once you determine what type of, of affair it is, you can begin uh, experimenting with, with different things. For each type of affair, 
in my ebook, for example, I not only point out typically how long the affair is going to last, um, also um, the severity of the affair, um, but I also offer for most of them at least two different skills that you can use, two different tactics that you can employ to try and get a different response. So, John, I suggest you dig into that and um, see what you come up with. Begin experimenting with different ways of responding to her. Uh, and a question I often ask my coaching people is, what do you really, truly want to say to him? John, what do you really, truly want to say to her about yourself? Now, that, 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 those last two words, about yourself, is really powerful stuff because often we want to say things about them and what they're doing or not doing. And we want to say things about the relationship and, you know, want wanting to work on the relationship and wanting things to be better with you. But it's a powerful thing to let your spouse know, to take a position and say, this is what I want to say to you about me. So that's another thing, John, that you can kind of run through your mind here um, as you deal with this. Um, the infidelity working uh, at work uh, with a co-worker, I assume. Okay. Uh, Todd says, <clears throat> um, how do I st start not focusing on the things of the affair? Um, that's the essence. That's the essence of his question, I believe. How how can I not focus on the things of the affair that I know now how to keep it from being the focal point of my everyday life? What are things I can do to try and get it off my mind? Yeah, that's really a powerful thing. You know, when we discover infidelity, it just, it's there 24-7. I mean, it just tears at us, rips at us. Uh, our mind is on overdrive, hyperdrive. Um, our feelings are all over the place in our stomach and our chest and our, our heads. Um, and it seems like you just can't get away from it. And these images and thoughts keep going through your mind and uh, nightmares. You wake up in the middle of the night or maybe you can't sleep, but you wake up if you can sleep thinking about all this stuff. Now, my, my suggestion here is not to fight it. Um, and often, the more you try to fight this, try not to think about it, try not to feel it, uh, the more intense it becomes. There's an old saying that goes, if you, re if you resist something, it's going to persist. And I really believe that's true. Um, so what you want to do or what you can do, Todd, is first of all, to acknowledge that it's going to be real and it's going to be powerful and it's going to be okay. There's nothing wrong, uh, with, with what you're thinking about and what you're feeling. And, and again, go back to what I talked about earlier. Think about what you're thinking about and have this part of you stand back and say, here I go again. It's, it's, I'm thinking about this and ask yourself the question, what does this mean to me? What does this mean to me that I picture the two of them having wild sex? What, what does that mean to me? Or I imagine her being, looking at him with longing eyes. What, is that, what does that mean to me? Or um, what does it mean to me when she lies to me? Um, 
what does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? So you begin to shift the focal point away from uh, the the images or what you assume is happening to more what's going on within me. And once you begin to be aware and put labels on what's going on within you, the intensity of it diminishes and then you begin to see options, different ways of approaching the situation. So don't fight it. Here, here's what I sometimes recommend. And I, I, I write about this um, in one of my eBooks. If, if it really, really is on your mind and in your heart, get yourself a kitchen timer when you're by yourself, a kitchen timer um, and set the timer for three minutes. And during the three minutes, Say to yourself, okay, I'm going to think about all of this. I'm going to write it down. If, if you like to write, I'm going to spend three minutes just thinking about this as hard as I can think about it and spend some time thinking about it, writing about it. That's a good, good thing to do. And then when the timer goes off, say, okay, now I have to go on and do other things. I have to get myself something to eat here, and I'm going to focus on that task. And what you say to the part then that has been doing all the thinking about the affair, say to that part, I'm going to come back to you. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you alone in this misery. You, you, I will pay attention to you later on, but right now I got to go make me something to eat. And so try that process over and over and over again um, during the day. If you find yourself lost in those kinds of thoughts, say, okay, three minutes, I'm going to focus on this. After three minutes, it's done. I'll move on to something else. That's another little trick that might work. Okay, let's see what we got here. Okay, SAFA says this is a great, 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 great question. Will a request for separation and divorce be the ultimate test to see if the cheater? will come around. Um, okay, great question. I don't, I don't believe in ultimatums. I mean, if maybe that's what you're saying. Maybe, it, maybe it's not. Um, I think it's really risky to say, if you don't stop cheating, I'm going to divorce you. Or I'm going to give you till the end of the week to stop cheating uh, otherwise, I'm going to file for divorce. Um, and again, your, your expectation here, Safe, I think, is that if I do that, the cheater might come around. Now, in some cases, in some types of affairs, that may, that may work. The cheater may be, become frightened and say, okay, okay, uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to give it up, especially if there are consequences to the affair for that person. Um, and that often happens in the affair number two. I don't, I don't want to say no. But here's what happens then. So if you say, you know, um, stop the affair, I'm going to file for divorce, and your cheating spouse gets scared and says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to quit. I'm coming back. I'm going to be a good boy or a good girl. Is that what you really want? Do you want somebody kind of crawling back to you out of a sense of guilt or or obligation. Is that the kind of relationship that, that you want? Probably not. So that's why I kind of go against ultimatums. Now, there's a way of approaching this that 
Um, you can't separate. You can't address this issue. You can say, you know, I'm sick and tired of this. I don't know how much longer I can continue being in a relationship like this. I just don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. So many things are unacceptable to me here. It just leaves me in a frenzy. I'm I'm upset day and night. I I don't know how long I can put up with this. I don't know how long I can tolerate this. An affair is a toleration. And the question becomes, how long will I tolerate it? And you might say, at some point, I'm going to draw a line. I just can't live like this forever. That's better, I think, than giving an ultimatum because it gives you, um, it, it offers opportunity for your, for your cheating spouse to respond. And it's a more accurate way to express yourself. It, it, it's a way of integrity. It's not game playing. It's not game playing. You're just saying, this, this is it. This is who I am. And whenever you say, this is it, this is who I am, you're, you're, you're putting yourself in a position of power. And the power is not, I'm going to beat you over the head, but the power is, this is my own position. This is, this is, this is the power that I have as a person. I am entitled to say, I'm not going to live like this forever. Okay. Saifa, does that answer your question? Is that thorough enough? If so, um, type in yes. If not, uh, expand a little bit more on, okay, she said yes, thanks. All right, good. Uh, let's go to Mary. Um, my spouse is back home in the home again, but extremely critical. I think he is feeling guilty about his affair, and he seems to be doing more alpha male behaviors. Uh, explanation. Oh, he's in the home again, extremely critical. So, um, <clears throat> sounds very like he's using his criticism to uh, intimidate you, to create distance between you and he, uh, to keep you off his back, um, just to keep himself at a, as, at a distance. And maybe he's feeling guilty. Maybe he's not. I mean, has he told you that? Maybe maybe he doesn't feel guilty. Maybe he just sees marriage as a form of convenience. Um, it may be cheaper to be married and have an affair than file for divorce. It usually is. Maybe not, depending upon the demands of the cheating or of the uh, the affair partner. So, um, doing more alpha male behaviors. Okay, so he's trying to, from your point of view, assert his power, Mary, is that correct? Um, trying to be, quote, a man, quote. Um, um, the interesting thing there, Mary, I suppose, is how do you respond to that? Um, what do you want to say to him? What do you want to do? Uh, what's your strategy? What's your tactic here? Um, in terms of his behavior. Is it a number two affair? I don't want to say no, which is often the mark of a narcissist, as someone who tries to be alpha male, but underneath feels like a little kid. Um, and the, for that type of affair, you, you usually try to employ some consequences. So maybe it's important to employ some consequences here. Um, and again, I, I raise the question of, 
Okay, he's back home again, which means he's been out, he's been back, he's been out, he's been back, he's been out, he's been back. Ah, gosh, Mary, must be an awful way to live. Um, What can you do to tolerate that less and less? That's my response, Mary. I I hope it's helpful. Um, Maybe there's probably a lot more there, but I'll just throw that out to you, okay? Okay, Bridget says, I'm the cheater. Okay, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, she cheated, I guess. I'm doing everything I can to show how sorry I am. I give him his space and sleep on the couch. What else can I do? I don't argue or cause any issues. We have been married for 22 years. Okay, um, Bridget, um, what goes through my mind, first of all, is that um, what's this like for your spouse? Um, how do you enter into his world? How do you understand what's, what's happening um, to him? Um, so you say that you give him his space and sleep on the couch. Um, that, that sounds like that. You're not quite sure how to approach this topic with him, how to, how to, uh, provide an atmosphere, a safe atmosphere and environment in which he can say to you, God, I'm so pissed off. I am so angry. I am so hurt. This thing just keeps going on and on and on. It's been 10 years And I still keep thinking about it over and over and over and over again. (laughs) I can't let it go. Maybe that's, maybe that's happening. Maybe not, but um, you're going to run into some intensity here, Bridget. And the intensity is okay. The intensity will uh, reshape and reform your relationship. Uh, So my, my suggestion is to honor it, honor the intensity, whatever the level of that intensity may be, whatever the, the content of that intensity may be and say, it's, it's okay. I'm here. Um, I want to work it through. Tell me what it's like for you. Tell me what it's like for you. Okay. Bridget, I hope that's helpful. Bridget, is that helpful? Can you type in yes or no? If, or if you, okay, good, good. Bridget said that's helpful. Thanks, Bridget. Okay. Um, okay. Courtney says she can't access the phone line. I'm sorry. I, I have no idea what's going on there, Courtney. Sorry about that, that you're missing out, but I... Um, no, I'm not a techie here. Sorry. Okay, Mary, going back to Mary. Mary says, no, he's not a number two. He's not a narcissist. He says he feels he is not respected. So he doesn't respect himself. Maybe number six, Mary, when he needs to prove his desirability. Um, because way down deep, he doesn't believe he's worth much perhaps when he when he says to you you don't respect him basically what he's saying is i don't respect myself it's called projection all right that's this is a good thing to know when everyone points their finger at you remember that and 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 puts a label on you or criticizes you 
remember that it what they're doing is they're 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 projecting their own internal dilemma. So when he says you don't respect me, he's basically saying there's a part of me that disrespects another part of me. And that's my tension. That's my problem. But I don't know what to do with it. So I throw it out there on the world and play it out on the world around me. The people around me make life miserable for them, live miserable for myself, and don't ever look at what's going on within me. Okay. Got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of questions here. Gosh, I'm trying to, whenever someone types something in, it, it jumps on me to the last one. So I'm trying, pardon me, I'm trying to keep up with, with everything that's happened here. Okay. Okay, Jack, I'm going back, J-Mac. This kind of follows up on what Bridge is saying. My wife's affair was 10 years ago. She just revealed it one year ago, 23 years married. Is it any easier to recover than an affair recently discovered? I'm seriously struggling after a year. I don't think it's any easier. I, I don't because it's going to bring up in you, J-Mac, uh, the same things that would be brought up if it was recent. Uh, and sometimes the, you know, the images and the assumptions we make after 10 years uh, can be just as powerful or maybe more powerful than if you're dealing with something that's happening in the present moment. So, yeah, it's not an easy, it's not easy. It's like a, opening a can of worms and they're crawling all over the place. Um, it's a process you go through. Um, and... I just wonder why she re why it was revealed a year ago. Maybe maybe she has some things here that are going on with her. Um, yeah, I don't know how, how else to respond. But you, to answer your question, I don't think it's any easier. Okay, EF says I found my husband involved in an emotional affair with a coworker. When I found out the next day, he came to me and said he was very sorry, just got carried away in a friendship, and that he wanted our marriage. He still works with her, which is very hard. Any suggestions on how to cope with this as it is making the healing process harder for me? Uh, the, the word boundaries goes through my mind very, very quickly. And I know that some people, um, some couples, uh, would suggest what they work out is that at least for a period of time, EF, um, your, your husband will give you a blow-by-blow -blow account of what's happening at work. Um, and, and, and in an attempt then to build trust, he will fill you in on the, the details of his day, especially when it relates to the coworker. That's a temporary thing to do but it might be something that will be helpful initially. Um, and as well, he needs to understand what happened to him, why he got carried away, um, what he's working on. And you, you have the um, responsibility and the opportunity then to bring up and say to him, you know, when this happens, this is what gets triggered in me. 
and this is what this is what gets triggered in me that I don't like, and um, this is something that I'm going to have to deal with, and I'd like your support here. This goes back to um, a report that I handed out on my Savior Marriage website. Um, you say this is this is what's being brought up within me. This is what I feel. This is what I think, um, and I hate it. I don't like it, um, and I need your support. And then begin to uh, plan very specific ways in which he can support you. Okay? And maybe he needs your support. I would assume he needs your support because something was awry with him, with his coworker. Okay. Let's see here. I'm trying to scroll. Okay, Dia. I already gave the ultimatum, and he moved out and went to live with the other woman. For a short time, he hinted that he would like to come back, and I told him to describe how that would work. I locked him out of the home and canceled our credit card. Then he moved to another town for work. Recently, he came back to town and told me that he split from her, but found someone to give him a place to live. He didn't say it was another affair. Um, he told our son that he is getting a passport so we can, so we think he plans to go on to his next idea, which was to go to the Philippines and meet up with a friend who lives there with a younger woman. Oh, I just lost it again. Shoot. Um, my husband is 61. His dad died in October 2016. He started his affair in December. He moved out in February. I feel that my marriage is drifting out of my hands, and he never told me that he was wrong, never told me what was wrong with it or why he went to another woman or why he doesn't come back twenty-five after 25 years of marriage. Um, you mentioned that his father died, and all this crap then started hitting the fan I don't know what it is. I haven't done a whole lot of research there or study there. Somebody with more knowledge in that area could probably help me. But it seems to me that when a significant spouse, a significant spouse dies, that all, can, all hell can break loose. And I don't know what it is. Something, something there was uh, happening probably at some level between him and his father. And... Um, his response, instead of healthy grief, uh, was to act out uh, the way it sounds, Dion. And you might want to, if you have contact with him, um, that may be part of the reason. Uh, again, that might be something you can think about. What was that? What was the nature of his relationship with his father? And it sounds like you know his moving out had basically nothing to do with you or the marriage. It had to do with something else that was going on in his life. And he's just jumping from one thing to the next, kind of a lost soul here, trying to find whatever he's looking for. And he's not sure what he's looking for, the way it sounds to me. So again, it's a sad, sad story. Um, and I think what you can can do, Dia, is if there is, if there's not, if there's not a connection here, I think what you can do is connect with him and say, I want resolution. Um, uh, I, I, want an, I want some kind of resolution of our relationship 
So I don't have to continue thinking about this. I want to move on with my life and see where that goes. That, do you, how, do, how does that sound? Is, can you type that in, whether that seems acceptable to you or not, or kind of hits the target or not? Okay, Dia didn't respond. She said, okay. She says, I'm scared. I'm scared of that idea, but I have little to lose. Yeah. Yeah, there are some things that are really terrifying here. And often what you find is that when you do what you think is terrifying, it often it often works. And often we only do what uh, we often bring through that only when we have little to lose. I think the whole theory of no pain, no gain sometimes holds true here. Um, so that when, when you know, I, I bump into many people who um, initially say, I just, I'm scared to death of, of taking a firm stand. I'm scared to death of getting angry. I'm scared to death of confronting my spouse on what's happening. I'm just going to try and play it cool. I'm going to try and win them back. I'm going to try and meet their needs and do all those things that conventional advice tells me that's safe. And they don't work. And then it, it, it becomes a point which you say, oh, screw it, man. I've had enough of this. And so you, 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 you take a real firm stance and all of a sudden the lights come on. Now, that, that's, I think that there's something to that pattern and, and that theme that the thing that we fear the most often is that which gives us the most what do I want to say? The most hope, the most courage, uh, it, it kind of breaks through something. So give that some thought, folks. Uh, that may be something that um, that works. And, in, and why it works is we, we become so entrenched in our patterns of relating to one another and thinking of each other that we don't, we don't have the capacity, especially in middle age, to be able to stand back and see different ways of of um, of approaching something, and that's basically what my coaching does: is helps people move out of their old patterns and see new ways of 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 create of of working with each other or working with self, of dealing with a relationship. And, and when you move out of your your old patterns, you try something new, and it's terribly frightening because old patterns are familiar. They may be terrible, they may be awful, they may not work at all, but they're familiar. So when we think of moving out of those, we get scared because we want to be able to crawl back to that which is familiar. But when we crawl back to the, that which is familiar, we often go back into the cave and it's the same old cave, the same old stink. So sometimes the thing that's most fearful is the things that we, that we can benefit most from. All right, that's my sermon for the day. I'm sorry about that. Uh, okay, our time's up. Thank you all. Thank you all. I appreciate uh, your comments very, very much. Um, this will be, this is being taped and will be online. Um, hey, I'm, I'm putting the finishing touches on my infidelity recovery center, which is going to be an online course, five different levels. Keep, keep with me. Okay. Because this is going to be something that, uh, I think you will really, really benefit from. All right. Thank you all. Appreciate you all. Take care. And remember this too shall pass.